Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Blaze. On the line, we have cheesemonger Najib Shuaf, who is the owner of Flora Artisanal Cheese in Charlottesville, Virginia. How are you doing today, Najib? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. So how's everything going on in Charlottesville these days? Are you getting ready for the holidays? Uh, We're already in full swing right now. Uh, Things are picking up, and we're ready to just rock it next week. That's awesome, man. It's going to be really busy for all of us. Um, I was wondering if you could tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and um, also about your cheese shop, which is fairly new. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, So uh, I've been a cheesemonger uh, off and on for um, about eight years. Um, I started out actually on the farming side, um, working with pasture and then uh, working with a herd of goats. Um, from there, I actually needed a job in town, so I took my first job behind a cheese counter just for a lark, and within a week I was hooked and knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, and so I just uh, kept plugging away at that, building up my knowledge, and uh, about two years ago decided I wanted to open my own shop, and we opened Flora Artisanal Cheese uh, almost 15 months ago now. Oh, congratulations. Um, Thank you. Are you from Charlottesville? Um, no, actually, I grew up in the D.C. area, um, lived in Charlottesville for a little bit, um, high school in Baltimore, then out to the West Coast and was in Oregon for about 10 years. Um, two, about three years ago, moved back to Charlottesville, uh, which happens a lot with this town, pulls people back in, and um, just fell back in love and decided to put down roots. That's fantastic. Uh, you said you have some experience working with dairy animals. Where did you get that experience? Uh, that's actually here um, outside of Charlottesville. We have um, a local creamery called uh, Caramont Farm. Um, and I met the owner. Um, we worked on a farm together, and she left to start her creamery. And uh, I went along with her and sort of helped her out uh, pre-revenue with her business. That's pretty cool. And then after that, uh, where'd you get your cheese chops down uh, behind the counter? Uh, it was almost entirely at Whole Foods. Um, I uh, was at the Whole Foods here in Charlottesville behind the cheese counter. Um, got the pleasure to work with... Uh, Monger, who had um, put in a couple years at Cowgirl and really knew his stuff, and sort of showed me the way that there, the, how much there was to know about cheese. Um, and so once he left, I decided to try and take on his mantle and, and step up and be the person to answer questions. That's fantastic. I mean, it's always good to have people um, in the small community behind the counter, you know, just uh, side by side, someone you, you trust and maybe even look up to in certain ways to just let you know you're on the right path. Absolutely. That's cool, man. Um, when did you? So you knew you were going to open up a shop. You said about two years ago. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your shop and what it, you know, what it offers. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have a small cheese counter um, located inside of a coffee shop called Millie Joe, um, and basically the, the the genesis of the shop was um, I'd moved back to Charlottesville. Um, there were options to buy cheese, but no one was doing cut to order. Um, and with the, the high price point that was being charged, it, it seems like um, really a shame that people didn't have access to, to get fresh 
cheese right off the wheel. Um, so I thought I would hang around and wait for someone to open a shop like that and try and manage it. Um, and over a weekend, I started thinking about it more and more and thought, well, why the hell don't I do it? Um, and so I started um, looking into what that would take and pulling some money together and, uh, and get that going. Um, so now we have a, a shop with about 70 different cheeses, uh, mostly American, um, but healthy um, mix of, of European cheeses in as well. That's pretty cool. Do you do a little uh, charcuterie there and uh, cheese plates? Can people eat in your shop and stuff like that? We do. Like Since we're in the coffee shop, I do, uh, I do quite a bit of, um, of cheese plate business during the day. Um, we offer um, you know, different salumis from Ollie, uh, which is just down the road from us. Yeah, I know those Then uh, we have a, a local uh, whole animal butcher that does um, different terrines for me, head cheese, pate, lamb pate, those kinds of things. Cool. I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you one more question just before Please. we get into our... Uh, our um, our topic for today, uh, you had an interesting quote I read about cheese being mysterious and uh, you wanting to be the guy to explain people that mystery. And I quote, cheese was this mysterious thing that very few people knew a lot about and I wanted to be that person, end quote. Um, do you feel like opening up your own shop and being a cheesemonger for this amount of time has gotten you closer to being able to be that guy or are you that guy? Uh, no, definitely not that guy yet, but uh, it's, it's got me on the road, and it's got me um, having conversations with people about cheese, about where it's from, how it's made, who's making it, uh, why it's made that way, um, and that's, that's why I got into this business, was really just to have those one-on-one conversations with people. It's good. Cheese is a very interesting window through which to view the world, and it, it's a good way to meet people, I've found in my time, too. Absolutely. So... Well, thank you for that info, and um, if you guys are ever in Charlottesville, Virginia, you've got to check out Najib and his awesome cheese shop. Um, so today's episode is all about cheese hacks, uh, much like a life hack, which is a trick or shortcut or a novelty that makes life easier. Um, a cheese hack is like a life hack, but with cheese. And uh, I was hoping if, uh, Najib, you could get us started off, we we're going we're gonna to talk about a couple of, uh, of interesting hacks um, in the world of cheese, and uh, maybe Najib, you can get us into our first one. Absolutely. Um, so the the first hack I actually learned uh, as a cheesemonger uh, was about Parmesan rinds. Um, that you know, you buy a piece of Parmesan, you grate it down as far as you can, trying to get every penny out of it, and then you're left with this hard rind. You no one ever really knows what to do with it. Um, but if you hold on to them and save them up. Um, or even um, a lot of shops, including mine, you can purchase just the Parmesan rinds that have been trimmed away uh, from the, the sellable pieces. Uh, and they are like magic in soups and broths. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, a handful of Parmesan rinds in uh, any sort of soup uh, just delivers this umami bomb. Uh, it makes it so rich and savory. Um, and uh, even more than just adding it to soup, I a lot of times like to use Parmesan as the main uh, component in a broth um, in something like a Parmesan brodo, uh, which is really easy to make and will just blow people's minds. So do you trim off the rinds for people if they ask you to? Uh, I will if they ask me to, um, but I always follow up with letting them know what, what is available to them and how they can use it. Yeah, we sell the rinds, too. It's probably one of our biggest bargains at Italy and actually one of the most sought-after items. I, send the, I sell the rinds <laughs> for, like, two bucks, a sh- two bucks a pound. Do you know what I mean? Uh, just, yeah, exactly. And, um, and people can't, they, they can't believe it. But it's, it's funny, um, 
It's always the little old ladies that know to come and ask me for them. I don't know if that's if that's the same with you, but I always find it makes a real difference to me to sell that uh, because it is an ingredient, in, and I feel really bad when I throw away anything, especially a part of the cheese that's usable. So it makes me feel really good that that hack is out there. At least some people have knowledge of it. Absolutely, we try to to try to get as as little waste as possible, um, not just from an economic point of view, but I mean, just as much work went into making the rinds as as went into making the rest of the cheese. And you want to honor what the producers have done. What are your customers' opinions on the rinds of the cheeses? Do they buy uh, in? It, it varies. Um, so uh, the biggest complaint I get uh, with the using the Parmesan rinds, like say in a soup or a broth, is people feel like it doesn't make a difference, um, and oftentimes they're just not using enough. Um, but the people who do know, um, they know for sure. And the, I don't have rinds sit around for very long because people are coming in to buy it up right away. Yeah, I get that too. I get people say that that's just hooey and uh, and then they can't taste it in there. But if you're just dropping in like an eighth of a pound worth of cheese into a giant bowl of soup, of course you're not going to taste it. But I mean, if you if you bulk it up, you definitely you definitely get there. And uh, we it, it also uh, it brings us into for me. It, we, we don't pre-grate any cheese at, mm-hmm. at Italy, or unless we have like unless we're cutting Parmigiano, we accidentally miscut the wheel, you know, which we rarely ever do. But sometimes the wheels are cold and they brittle. Sometimes, so you get we'll we'll grate a little bit ahead of time, but we make you bring, we pick pick out your cheese and bring it back, and we weigh it up with the rind on there, and we trim off the rind and then we grate it. I always just throw the rinds back into their uh, container, and it's interesting because I get people who like sort of. Uh, they sort of some customers they sort of complain on me at that like I'm trying to you know put a quarter on the scale or something like that yeah. and I'm like no I'm just giving you like you know the end of your cheese which in times of need you can completely uh, you can completely use. I mean if you're if you're hard up you can even uh, throw that into a food processor and and grate it up just like you would the the rest of the cheese. And um, maybe you can also talk about another uh, thing, you know, what, what you can do with the rinds, uh, the puffed Parmigiano rinds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually just learned about this uh, last week, in fact. Um, but if you, if you take the, um, the, the ends of the cheese, a little bit of cheese, a little bit of rind left at the end, um, cut it into, you know, pretty, pretty small pieces, throw it on a plate, throw it in the microwave, and they, and they puff up so cool. They make the, like, the, the most amazing Cheetos you've ever had. That's, it's, that's weird. I, I'm, I always think of like a microwave of, as like this tool of like instant death. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I'm afraid. It's like, and there's two things I tell people to keep their cheese away from, like the freezer and the microwave. Um, however, you know, I've been known to like cook up like horrible microwavable pizzas that have something that's called cheese on them. But I, I, bet, you that the, I bet you these, and I've never done this. I just learned about this a, about a week ago as well. Um, I bet you can um, taste the difference in that, the little puffy rinds. They're probably good with a cocktail or something like that. It'd be great. Actually, um, what I did this weekend when I learned about it, um, decided to go home and try it, and just did um, a little uh, balsamic reduction and uh, drizzled that over it, and it tasted amazing. That's cool, man. Um, and well, those are a couple of, uh, of interesting hacks that we can talk about. And that's going to lead me perfectly to cheese hack number three, which is making cheese crisps in the microwave, a little bit different than taking the rinds. So last week I read an article about microwaved cheese crisps becoming a trending topic on social media in Japan after a food personality showed them how to do it. Uh, the host even declared it would go great with beer, uh, which I'm sure it would. The TV program recommended 90 seconds on high in the microwave on a baking sheet. 
and I saw some of these like sort of wacky pictures people posted, and it seems lots of folks tried variations on it. Uh, some used processed cheese, which seemed to like puff up like the Cheeto that you were just talking about, um, as opposed to regular cheese, which turned crispy. Um, and it was very odd-looking pictures. Like it looked definitely like drug abuse or something like that on there. <laughs> just, but um, they were, you know. This one guy microwaved it for nine whole minutes and ended up with what was essentially cheese toast. Um, so, Najib, have you ever tried microwaving cheese into crisps, making Lazy Man Parmigiano crisps? You know, you know, I haven't. Um, sort of like you, uh, I try to keep cheese away from the microwave, but uh, with these new options, I, I might have to do some experimentation of my own. <laughs> I, I mean... We had people, uh, some of the pictures I saw, they had wrapped the cheese in nori, which I thought would be too salty, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, this was an interesting, uh, an interesting hack for me, but I, I, I just read about it, but I haven't tried it yet. Like I said, I, I stay away from uh, my microwave as much as I can, even though I need it sometimes. I understand, but that, I mean, it seems like a, a really great option because it's going to pop up like a crisp, like a, like a cracker or something, and if you're trying to cut weight or uh, you know some other low-carb diet, you've basically got protein in, in almost carbohydrate form. Yeah, I, I guess I would be forced to agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe you can tell us about our next and fourth cheese hack. Yeah, this is, um, this is when we start delving into this sort of magical science um, and, uh, and sodium citrate, uh, yeah. which is a, a really cool, it's a, a salt um, from uh, citric acid um, that you find in, in any sort of citrus fruit, um, and it's uh, a, a salt that uh, emulsifies. Yeah. And so if you've ever tried to make a queso dip, um, the which texture actually never comes out, a, right. a local restaurant uh, improve their queso, um, and the thing we kept coming back to was uh, Velveeta processed cheese is really the only cheese out there that, that functions um, and allows the, the dip to be sort of oozy without separating um, until I discovered sodium citrate. Um, and you can uh, sprinkle sodium citrate into uh, either water or beer over medium heat, um, and you can take whatever cheese you want, cheddar that would normally be uh, sort of brittle and uh, separate into uh, an oily mess if you try to heat it up. With the addition of the sodium citrate, uh, the uh, protein bonds um, stretch out, and so you can make a nice oozy uh, nacho covering with uh, any cheese that you want. That's pretty awesome because, I, I mean, that texture is just, it's so horrible and so wrong, yet I, I crave it all I crave it all the time. You know what and I mean? And there's no cheese professional out there that, that doesn't. <laughs> and they'd be a liar if they said that yeah. they didn't because uh, the, the, there's nothing like the numbing, glossy texture of movie nacho cheese. Um, that also works for mac and cheese, too, um, I hear. Um, which is good. That's the t- I mean, I like to make my mac and cheese from uh, from scratch, and I'll make a bechamel, you know, with like a ton of uh, of Comte or Gruyere. Uh-huh. Because I get good prices on it, you know, my mac and cheese isn't like $80, uh, <laughs> which it would be if you took like a six-pound block of, you know, of Gruyere or whatever and, and, and melted it down into into that. And the texture never, never really gets to be the same as uh, what I want, which is unfortunately what I crave is that, that, uh, that glossy um, sort of um, – movie nacho texture it's just such a satisfying feeling it is it's such yeah. it is a satisfying feeling <laughs> that's great and um so that's a good cheese hack for everybody to know and um our fifth cheese hack is another one but an ancient one like our first parmigiano one it's a tradition based uh it's what the french call fromage fort 
and it answers the question of what to do with all those little bits of leftover cheese after you serve a large cheese plate or if you run a cheese shop, uh, just little bits of unusable cheese. You know, you, we'd all like to think we cut the cheese perfectly every time, but we don't, and uh, we always have little ugly oblong pieces of cheese. And as cheesemongers, we should be loath to throw any cheese away ever unless it's absolutely been you know, dropped in kerosene or something like that. Um, and so what you do is you take all of those little bits of cheese and you blend them together uh, with white wine and garlic and herbs in like a big mason jar or a pot until it becomes a rich spread and it's really, really strong. Uh, have you ever made anything like that? Uh, for much for is one of my favorite things in the world, um, both as a, a snack um, and then especially once – I owned my own cheese shop and was trying to keep spoilage down. It yeah, is, totally. Um, it's like magic. I, I describe it as turning uh, I mean, trash into gold. Um, and it's, I just think it's especially good at home because, again, I'm one of those people that I've constantly got five, six, seven different kinds of cheese in my fridge that um, we get down to the end and we don't finish. It goes into a bag, and I would either forget about it and throw it away. But now that I have fromage fort, uh, throw it in the food processor, just like you are saying, um, and it is... Uh, so rich uh, and so strong. Uh, it makes uh, my, my favorite breakfast, in fact, is a cup of coffee with uh, some toast and fromage four. Damn, you got to brush your teeth after a breakfast like that, my friend. My goodness. Um, do your customers, do you ever sell it to them? Oh, I think I lost Najib. Um... But um, that's okay. Uh, he'll be back in a, in a, in a moment. Uh, I remember a, a time when um, I made some fromage fort over at Dean and DeLuca and um, sold it over a period of a year. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here on Cutting the Curd. Uh, but when we come back, we'll have Najib and uh, some more cheese hacks for you. Take care. Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hey, my name is Betsy Andrews, executive editor of Severa Magazine, and I am hanging out at the coolest, most delicious place in the world, heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I have Najib of Flora Artisanal Cheese on the line from Charlottesville, Virginia. Welcome back, Najib. 
Thank you very much. And today we're talking about cheese hacks. Uh, again, life hacks are simple tricks to make your life easier or turn everyday objects into solutions or an everyday problem for an everyday problem. A cheese hack is like a life hack about cheese. Uh, well, that is our next cheese hack, and it's inspired by an NPR article I re- recently read about making faux cheddar in an hour, <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> which is I thought was crazy, but but uh, it's based on a recipe by Claudia Lucero, who runs Urban Cheesecraft out of Portland, Oregon, in her book One Hour Cheese. Uh, basically, she makes a fresh-style pressed cheese to which she adds spices like uh, paprika and turmeric and smoked sea salt to make the cheese seem more mature than it is and give the greater depth of flavor more quickly. What do you think about this hack? Um, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, one hour cheese sounds like it's too good to be true, um, but uh, I'd be interested to try it, especially with the, the herbs added, give it a really nice smoky, um, smoky flavor to it. I suppose this could be a really uh, uh, helpful thing for someone that was running a restaurant. I guess, you know, if you wanted to give someone the illusion. She calls this, I think, Smoky Cheater, yeah. um, <laughs> which is an awesome name. It really is. <laughs> and, uh, I, but I, I think it would be helpful if you were, if you were, you know, I guess running a restaurant. And I would like to try it too. Um, I think that's an interesting, um, an interesting hack. I, I don't know in so far as much as it'd be something that I would ever do for myself, but you never know. I'm, I'm a terrible scientist. I always say this. So I, I think I would try to do it, and I would end up with some sort of inedible goo or uh, like rock-hard paste. But I mean, it sounded like it took her a few tries to get it right. Yeah, it, it seemed it. But yeah. check that out, Smoky Cheater. And uh, maybe, Najib, you can introduce our next cheese hack. Yeah, this is, um, this is for the, the fat boy in me. Um, it is using mayo instead of butter uh, for your grilled cheeses. Sounds good. Um, and uh, being down in the south, uh, this is actually something I've, I'm very, very familiar with. Um, a lot of people around here grew up doing it. Uh, we've got wonderful Duke's mayo, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. If you ever come across it, snatch it up. That's the um, pimento but cheese mayo. The beauty of using mayo uh, instead of butter for your grilled cheese is, uh, one, I always forget to leave the butter out. I even have a beautiful butter bell, but I leave the butter in the fridge, and I go to make grilled cheese, and it's you know splitting all over the place. Yeah. Um, but with mayo... Pull it out, spreads right on, um, and then it solves the you know the biggest issue with grilled cheese, which is how to get the cheese melted inside without burning the outside. Um, you know, some people spend months trying to figure out the right pan, the right uh, cover to use to make sure everything cooks evenly without burning it. Um, but with mayo, because it has uh, a higher smoking point than butter, um, you're able to uh, just go low and slow without any issues of uh, of crisp of, um, of blackening. Um, and it comes perfectly crisp because the, the oil and the egg and the mayonnaise uh, crisp up perfectly, and you will have uh, the best grilled cheese you've had every single time. That's pretty good. It's important to have a good grilled cheese, my friend, in our, in our profession. <laughs> it's what we you know? look for. <laughs> it is. I didn't mean to interrupt you before, but uh, the Duke's mayo I am familiar with, I've been told by my friends from the South that that is literally the only mayo to use while making pimento cheese. It, it's the only mayo to use ever. People will come at me with that Hellman's nonsense, but uh, Duke's every day. That's pretty cool. I mean, sometimes um, you can uh, grill both sides of the bread. I've tried. I've never made a, a grilled cheese sandwich with mayo, but I definitely, you know, after this, I think I'm going to try uh, because it just sounds fattening and amazing. You'll never go back, I promise you. <laughs> I'll give you listeners an update on my mayo grilled cheese status later on in the season. Um, so w- those are good hacks for people um, that 
are or are not cheesemongers. Anybody can uh, do the things that we've we've talked about, the first five or six hacks that we've mentioned. Um, but now I wanted to, um, you know, to ask you about some hacks for cheesemongers. You know, are there some things in your shop that you just do in order to, um, you know, to creatively solve a cheese problem uh, that's, you know, using the environment around you? You know, um, we've, we've already mentioned it, but I, I think it's so important. Uh, fromage Fort is your friend. Um, you should almost never have spoilage. Um, so go back to that and, and try that. Um, but then there's some other great hacks. Um, if you've got uh, washed-drying cheeses that are, are drying out, um, just seem to be suffering a little bit, um, I will do um, a, a, you know, about 5 or 6 uh, percent brine solution um, and just give it uh, a little bathe to sort of poof it up and bring it back to life, um, make sure that it is at its highest quality, because um, that's uh, our job as cheesemongers is to present the cheese as the cheesemaker intended. Absolutely. Uh, for washed-rind cheeses, we've also been able to revive them by using uh, moist paper towels. It's very interesting. Yeah, you know, underneath the plastic wrap, um, moist paper towels, if you've got any of them laying around, and maybe most cheesemongers know this, but if you don't, um, and if you can't whip up your own, uh, your own brine solution, a paper towel underneath the plastic will definitely help you out. Um, and a couple of other good ones that I know of, um, we always have white vinegar is great uh, for getting sort of like black and um, odd like cat hair surface molds off of firm cheeses. I don't know if you've ever done that. I take a little rag and just sort of brush. Um, sometimes uh, I sell a lot of, um, of cheeses from Italy that have been brushed in tomato paste and oil, um, okay. some pecorino, and the pecorino rossolino being one of them. And a little bit of vinegar will take off some of the, of the, uh, the surface mold that just, uh, just jumps around because not all of us are lucky enough to import cheese directly from the source. We don't have our own cheese cave, so our cheese lives with other cheese in a big warehouse sometimes. Um, and this sort of, uh, it tames down those exterior rinds. And, um, and you did mention fromage fort, which is actually a great thing. And another thing, if you don't want to make a big brandied cheese mush, which you should, but if you don't, uh, oil also uh, rev- revives old cheeses. Uh, placing cheeses in oil with herbs, especially if you have older goat cheeses lying around. Uh, we've always made marinated chev. I think for every year, I've, every cheese shop I've ever worked in, an easy cheese hack is just marinating older goat cheeses and put a little rosemary or, or thyme and herbs in there. Um, also works. And then the boxes, uh, the little goat cheese boxes that you get, mm-hmm. um, the little uh, make really great tiny cheese caves. So if you have... Uh, uh, you know, young crotin that come in and you want to sort of fluff up the the geotrichum, you know, and make them all brainy so people love them. They look kind of sexy. You take the take the che- the goat cheese box and uh, sort of cover it in plastic, you know, and you make sort of a tiny little cheese cave in there where it's a little bit more moist. Um, and it really it's it's it really works. It's it's odd and it's worked at every cheese shop I've ever done. Have you ever done anything like that? That's such a great idea. I've never used the um, the cheese boxes, um, but I did spend an afternoon uh, drilling holes in a bunch of Cambros to um, to essentially uh, get the same effect um, and just packed the inside with uh, with wet paper towels and sponge um, to keep the humidity up um, and would try and fluff up um, some of the bloomies that way. Um, and another uh, great hack, I don't run into it uh, here at my shop, but when I was at a much larger store where we had multiple wheels of Parmesan and um, other grana cheeses, um, sometimes they'd be sitting out and you'd, they'd develop some cracking in the rind yeah. and a little bit of uh, shortening or lard 
um, just to, to seal that up and, uh, and, and keep it a little bit fresher until you're ready to crack it. That's really good. Really well for us. And lard is good. I mean, I often rub it on my own skin, you know, when I get <laughs> cracks on there. It really helps me out. <laughs> How you keep staying so young, Greg. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, make a little cave. It'll work. And then also uh, one of the easiest ones that maybe everybody knows is whenever you're trying to build a nice cheese display, um, the exterior boxes, and you get the, all these nice wooden boxes that cheese come in. They often make a really nice riser, you know, so they help you build uh, build displays uh, really easily. Cheeses, I love the little wooden boxes. I wish I feel like sometimes they're going away, but the little ones from the Loire River Valley, or sometimes if you buy cheese from Capriole, they still use those tiny little wooden handmade boxes, which are, uh, to me, just one of the the best hacks of being a cheesemonger is you get to collect those boxes, which help you store things in your home or apartment, help you store, uh, you know, signed cards and um, pins and all sorts of things in your shop. And they also help prop up your cheese underneath uh, your display. And then um, one of our, uh, uh, our producers gave me a great cheese hack that I have never, I've never used, but, but, you, you know, if you let's say you, you don't have any uh, any cheese wire in your shop, do you use wires? By the way, I I, I use uh, wires, uh, like handheld um, butter wires and a larger actual cheese wire. I don't really care for the machines. I never have. I don't know why. I don't understand. Uh, I, it's it's never seen. I like to I like to play with the knives, but the wires I'm less familiar with. But let's say you snap a wire, or you only have one wire. Um, or something like that happens, unwaxed dental floss will actually work, which is... Really? Yeah, which <laughs> I, I, I was shocked, but, but I tried it, and, it, and it, it actually works really, really well. I like it. I'm uh, definitely going to remember that. Um, we have time for another hack, and this is, again, pretty simple, and, and a lot of people would know it, but um, I've run into this in other shops where people are opening up uh, a cheese, especially big Alpine-style cheeses, give it a whiff, and that ammonia knocks them over. Sure. And they are saying that, you know, the cheese is bad, let's, let's toss it. Um, let it blow off. Give it, give it a little time to sort of reassert itself. And if it's still smelling really, really strongly like ammonia, um, especially the smaller guys, it's, it's probably gone. Um, but always give it a chance before, before you're ready to do something else with it. No, that's actually great. Uh, sometimes the rinds get a little gassy, um, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they've eaten up a lot of the oxygen at the, in the boxes that they come in. Um, and it, it, it's cheeses that are under plastic. Plastic is such a, uh, you know, plastic wrap is such a necessary evil in our business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of times that's just the way things get uh, transported. But, yeah, that's a great, uh, a great tip and hack. Um, is, uh, you know, give it a little time to burn that off, you know, in the air. Um, that's fantastic. Well, I wanted to, uh, you know, to thank you for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. It's so, so much fun. And uh, time flies. Um, so we've, we, we've done, uh, we've done some, some good work today. We've given people a half dozen or so hacks that they can use in their everyday life. And uh, also taking a look at some uh, easy cheese hacks um, in the shop that you can use. Um, and lastly, before we sign off, I wanted to uh, mention an interesting opportunity to our listeners who may be cheesemakers or aspiring cheesemakers out there. Uh, the folks at Consider Bardwell and uh, Najib, you and I know them well. Very well. Uh, they're a nationally known creamery and dairy, um, you know, in West Paulette, Vermont. Uh, they're looking for cheesemakers 
and uh, immediately they are looking for cheesemakers, uh, focusing in cheesemaking, creamery cleaning, uh, cave work, and affinage. Um, Got to have a flexible schedule and know your asset plan, you know, and be a dedicated person. But it's a full-time salaried position with paid vacations. Uh, they'll even put you up temporary housing during your relocation. And uh, if you're interested in that, you should contact Angela Miller, uh, Angela at ConsiderBardwellFarm.com. So I want to say thanks again, Najib, for coming on. We'll have you back in the future. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to Cutting the Curd. We'll be back next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>